Today's scripture reading in the Gospel of Mark, I'm going to be really honest with you, it's really difficult to hear. There is a purpose and a rhythm to the life of the church. Our church calendar has a noticeable pattern. We begin with Advent and the preparations for the coming Messiah. We then move to Christmas and we remember the birth of Christ. Then we swiftly transition to Jesus' earthly ministry, his teachings, his healings. And then, before we know it, Lent has arrived. Then Easter, with the glorious celebration that the sting of death is no more, hell has lost its victory. But the year's not over with Easter. We continue through what is known as ordinary time in the church. You can tell the people who created this calendar were not very good marketers because they picked the most boring phrase or name for a season. Ordinary time takes us right into All Saints Day, All Saints Sunday. And with All Saints Day, there is a shift, an eschatological shift we look towards the cosmic, the end of times reign of Christ. The time when the world as we know it will end. We're at the closing now of the church year. Next Sunday will be Christ the King Sunday. And our scripture readings are taking a noticeable turn. Week after week, we proclaim Christ to be Lord over all of creation. But next Sunday, we will do it with a bit more intentionality as our confirmants confirm for themselves vows that were made for them when they were infants and they were baptized, or they choose for themselves to be baptized. It is hard not to become uncomfortable when we get to this time of the year with Jesus predicting the destruction of the temple, war among nations and kingdoms, earthquakes, famines. All of these things make for great TV and movies, stuff to watch other people do. But when Jesus talks about this being part of our earthly existence, I don't know about you, but I get a little squirmy when Jesus goes all apocalyptic, when the Gospels go beyond the feel-good Jesus and we begin to look at the eschaton, the end of times. Many prefer Jesus to be a moral teacher, dispensing platitudes that we can use as, well, parents to teach our kids how to be well-adjusted, good people. Some prefer Jesus to teach us how to care for the sick and the poor. And at the same time, others prefer Jesus to be their weekly spiritual boost. Not unlike an add-in you could get at a local smoothie shop. A, a shot of Jesus every week will cure what ails you. Don't get me wrong here. I much prefer Jesus' Sermon on the Mount to Jesus' Sermon from today about the destruction of the temple. But suppose, 
Suppose we were to only speak of the peace, of peace and love, when Jesus clearly predicts catastrophe and conflict. In that case, retired Episcopal priest and theological Beyonce, Reverend Fleming Rutledge, is correct in her assertion that we are simply refusing to listen, to hear a substantial part of Jesus' message. It's hard for us, those of us who live relatively comfortable lives and are privileged to find good news in Jesus' words, because Jesus' flipping of the world, it could mean loss of standing and comfort for us. Are the words in Mark 13 good, good news or bad news? I guess it depends on where you are and when you receive Jesus' message. My mentor recalls a trip to Honduras every time he hears Jesus' words in Mark 13. He was leading a group of college students to run a makeshift health clinic in San Marco. And these students had a great idea. After a long day's work, while they were sitting around a campfire, they would share their favorite Bible verses with one another. I'm sure right now you can think of the verses that were most likely shared. For God so loved the world, John 3.16. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, Psalm 23. But every time this story is told, a shift occurs. When a Honduran woman shares, Mark 13, no stone left on stone, war, earthquakes, famine. She said that Mark 13 always brings her comfort. And every time I hear this story, I think to myself, wait, what? Mark 13? Really? Comfort? Okay. You all should have seen the way you were squirming after giving thanks to God for today's scripture reading. You should have seen the way you were squirming when Linnea was having to walk a fine line of explaining this text to our kids. Mark 13 is a far departure from my main line, somewhat educated and somewhat responsible view of Jesus. While on this trip to Honduras, my mentor discovered that this woman had given birth five times, yet lost three of her children to malnutrition. To hear that Jesus is going to dismantle the world as we know it, and that the preservation of the status quo is of no interest to God, frankly, it gets me uncomfortable. After all, I have a roof over my head. The church pays me a fine salary. I have great health insurance, and my future looks relatively bright. But what my mentor points out is that Jesus' talk of disruption is gospel good news, because for this woman in San Marco, her status quo has been a living hell. The gospel's accounting for sadness and brokenness and the world's wickedness is one of the reasons that the gospel makes sense. When the New Testament speaks of the kingdom of God, the word often used 
is tribulation. Tribulation is not ordinary suffering. Tribulation in the biblical sense points beyond itself, pointing toward the coming triumph of the Lord. This is a kingdom reigned over by Jesus Christ, where the last things produce hope, not despair, and confidence, not fear. Hope and confidence that the sadness and brokenness of this world that we are pained to see with our own eyes, the sadness and brokenness that many of us experience, and the sadness and brokenness that others live day in and day out does not outlast God's kingdom. Dismantling the world sounds frightening, and I imagine it will be frightening, but in Mark 13... Jesus describes a dismantling to realize God's justice and love for all of creation, not just for those of us who live comfortable lives. God's redemption and transformation of this broken world is good news for all. The comfort and the privilege that we work so hard and which we cling to pale in the light of God's justice and love. I really do believe Fleming Rutledge, Reverend Rutledge, put it best. No suffering can be properly understood until the Lord comes, but he will come. God is accomplishing God's purpose in spite of all appearances to the contrary. Nothing can lie beyond the power of God to redeem and transform we believe this because we have been seized by the unique authority of the voice of Jesus Christ. Knowing God will get the last word, our acts of mercy and justice, along with our communal acts of faithfulness, become signs of the kingdom of God, the queendom and the kingdom that is yet to come. Thanks be to God. Amen.